Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, I'm Josh Hallam, and you are listening to Just Films and That. This is the podcast where we discuss films that we think are underrated, underseen, or we just wanted to talk about them. I'm joined, as ever, by my wonderful co-host, Alice hey, Oliver. How I are you like doing, Alice? You, you tend to put more emphasis on the word wonderful as we go on, and I'm yeah. here for it. Just, so in a few thank years, you, I'll Josh. just be screaming the word wonderful into the microphone. <laughs> well, no, I'll take it. I'll take it. This is this is the admiration I deserve. Uh, I'm very well, thank you, Josh. How about yourself? Yes, I'm good. I am good, thank you. So, we're excited, Alice. We are. We are. We got are another joined, one, guys. We've got, got another, another guest. One. We are another joined one. by another wonderful guest. We're joined by, uh, he's a comedian, he's a writer, he's, he's a radio, radio host, he's loads of things. Nat Metcalf, how are you, sir? I'm very well. I'm very well. How are you two? Yeah, good. Good. Yeah, good. brilliant. I'm, so, I'm always so pleased with our calibre of guests. We do oh, so yeah. well. We and do. You're so welcome here, Nat. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> That's nice. I don't know. I, 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 I never feel like I'm of a high calibre. Um, <laughs> we're just talking about, actually, having started, we're talking about how hot it was in London. Mm. Now I've sat down here and I've shut the doors. I'm quite humid. Mm-hmm. Muggy, mm-hmm. as they say. Muggy. Muggy. <laughs> it's a bit close, isn't it? It's close. Close? <laughs> what does close mean? I don't know. I've just heard people say does it. Does it mean I... <laughs> like your clothes stick to you? Like your clothes feel closer? Is that what it or is? Or like the air feels close to your skin? That's... that's kind of what it feels like. I don't know. Heavy air. Yeah. <laughs> Heavy air. <laughs> so with all, moving on with all of us sounding like old age pensioners. Um, <laughs> so uh, we always start every guest episode with a completely random question. So since it's hot, it's not so random, but I'm going to go with this one. Alice, I can't remember if we've done this before, but we've done a lot of episodes. Ooh. So what is the best ice lolly? Um, so, um, I, my usual go-to for this would be the fruit pastels, uh, ice lolly. Um, a classic. And I reckon, I reckon I'll go with that one. That little purple bit on top, man. Oh, it's the, delicious. I got, um, it's the red, red bit, second bit, the red bit's the best bit. Also good. Also good. It does get worse as it goes down, but the it whole thing all together. It does get worse as it goes nice. down. It does. Yeah, the, the best bit is trying to see if you can get all the colours. You know, have oh, you ever yeah. bit, bitten the top off and tried to look down like like course, looking into a tree? Of course, Josh. But I grew up in the nineties. Of course, <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I love them. Do like a calipo as well. But if I was going to pick one, a probably what? fruit pastel. Cali- oh, sorry, calipo. <laughs> they're called, aren't they? I call them calipos. Always have a calipo. Have it. Calipo, <laughs> even though it's not double L, so it shouldn't be. Or it is, uh, no. Calip, calip, I know calippo is the right way. It just doesn't roll off my tongue nicely. I like a calippo. The problem with calippo <laughs> is it melts as you're eating it. So maybe mm. this is this is probably just me. 
But I find that I've never had a clippo without at some point tipping some of the orange contents down yeah. my own shirt. Yeah. It's, it's melting yeah. while you're eating it in a little. Yeah. So as you're tipping it up, it always has like a bit of a, a rogue <laughs> yeah. stream. A splashback. A splashback. So a splashback You've got to be ready for that, Nat. Yeah. You've got to be ready for that to happen and then you can sort of dodge, dodge spilling it because yeah that does happen but i do like having a little drink of it at the end no oh, i nice. do i do it's very disappointing when it's just down my shirt like, yeah. I've, I've never learned <laughs> one, I, one, I can promise i've had a lot of calipos but uh I've, I've never learned one one thing i would say about a calipo um calipo you call them absolute too. good absolute wasp fiends oh hell yeah it, summer's day yeah I've, I've never had one on the outside and not been bothered by a wasp see also ribena lolly for the same yeah for the same issue like as that Ribena. was just talking about it, the, the splashback you're not getting yeah. that off a white top you're no, not getting you're not never. getting a white off a white top what about you nat what about you have you got a favorite one well well even oh. though i said i wasn't plugging things necessarily <laughs> me and my friend we and my friend ozzy uh, do a podcast which is on hiatus currently oh yeah called list off Mm. And one of our episodes was a top five ice lollies. Oh, there we are. So I can officially say I've given it a lot of thought. Oh, I think good. both of oh. us, both of us came up with the same one, that it is a twister. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That is a good oh, shout. That is a, that is a good a shout. Like, tiny bit of ice cream, but not too much. And you get mm-hmm. the lime. They're, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're probably a bit too small. Mm. But, but apart from that. But maybe it's one of those things that they're too small for your own good. Yeah, because before you know it, you've had six. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had the new ones? Have you had the new Twisters? No, I haven't. haven't. Oh, they're good. They're quite good, what? you know. They're, A they're... new Twister? Yeah, that it's, like, like? It, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, they've changed the shape controversially. I don't oh know what, so it's still a Twister, but it's like more like a weave. Whoa. I can't really describe it. And it's, it's blue and mind. it's blue and yellow. Oh my God, what? How have I missed yeah. this? What the hell? Yeah. When you say a weave, what do you mean? <laughs> like, like, like imagine, flatted. imagine, like yeah, flatted? imagine like a wicker basket, but an ice lolly. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I, I had one and it, it was great. Honestly, it was, it was delicious. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was not as good as a traditional, but then with the traditionals, are we talking, are you green and white or red and white? I mean, green. No, no, green. And white. Is it red green and, and red? White. What's it's green? green? It's green, green red, and red and white. Green and red, right? but then you also get the red and green. So one's one's primarily green and one's primarily red. Do you know what I mean? Or am I? Am Are you I, sure? Am I addicted to twisters? Is Maybe this what you know I'm, so much about twister lore. I'm, is this what I'm revealing now? <laughs> uh, but yeah, cool. I'm trying to think what mine would be. I don't think. I, I like a knobbly bobbly. Hilarious name. That's up there. Do you like an obbly bobbly? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Or you used to like zaps when you used to go to the ice cream van. Did you ever get a zap? Like a disgustingly multicolored, like toffee flavored thing. I think if I'm not getting that, the other ice lollies are like just those ones that are like the bubble gum one, the the bright blue one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I know the one. Yeah, I know the ones you mean. Shout out as well. Shout out as well, too. Did you remember? Do you ever have the Solero or Calippo balls? Oh, it was, yeah, and Solero they, and balls, like, green, yeah, and a and little they, shaker like a, thing. Yeah, and you yeah. shook them, and you, you basically drank them. They reinvented the it. Balls. They got rid of the stick. They reinvented the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you got it, how big are they? What are we talking? They're oh, no, small. like like a, like a ball balls. bearing, like a ball bearing yeah. size. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, All right, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah not, not big. <laughs> They're not like... The worry would be if you got too much. <laughs> They're ball bearing, I could handle, I think. You could have... Do you ever have them... Do they still make those silver balls that look like ball bearings that are somehow sweets? 
And they oh, sort of taste a bit colery or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are, they, are they not like, do you not mean like cake decorations? No, yeah, like, like cake decorations, thing. yeah. Yeah, weird yeah. that, isn't yeah. it? They look dangerous. <laughs> break your teeth, break your teeth. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of dangerous, good link, Ooh. professional. Um, oh, let's yeah. move on to talking about this week's film, which is Theatre of Blood from 1973, which Nat has picked. So, spoiler warnings if you've not seen it, but you have had plenty of time uh, to, to get it watched. Um, Nat. You picked this one, so tell us first what's it about and then tell us why did you pick it. I was going to say, it's very difficult to talk about without it being spoilered if you haven't seen it, I think. It oh, is, this it is, is. This is a spoiler zone. This we is do, certainly do, a spoiler we, we zone. We give, do... we give you ample warning, listeners. We do. <laughs> so, Vincent Price plays a character called Edward Lionheart, who is a Shakespearean actor who is missing, presumed dead. But then this character, somehow, <laughs> exactly, somehow he is returned from the grave and is enacting revenge on all the critics that refuse to give him, like, the Best Actor of the Year award. So one by one, he kills off the critic in, in uh, scenes that are sort of taken or adapted from Shakespeare plays. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like deaths, isn't it? It's the big, like their deaths. That's Shakespeare. that's my favorite summary of a film that we've had. I think on the podcast, it's quite. It, just, it is quite. I was, a mad I was film. laughing as you were speaking and just remembering <laughs> it. That was that was terrific. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So, why did you choose it? Underseen, underrated, bit of both. Well, I don't. It's hard to say, really. I mean, I I chose it because I did I did another podcast a little while ago, and on that I. I People, it was. I was asked, like, what are the kind of films that you think are sort of so kind of up your street or the kind of things that you would imagine would be similar to the type of things you would make if you made a film? Hmm. And I think this is the kind of thing that's very much like it's right slap bang in the middle of being like my cup of tea. Mm. Right. It's a bit of you. It's a bit of you. It's a bit of me. Yeah. Mm. You know, I like a Vincent Price film. I like um, essentially old English actors. Mm. I really like those films where um, it's kind of like them. It's using a lot of these sort of old actors, old British actors who are almost like they've had their career and mm. they're being kind of, they've got like one more shot. They're sort of coming out of retirement. And I really like it that they. it feels like they're being celebrated one last time. And a lot of them... A lot of these actors in it were like big actors at one point, but now they're really on their down. They're really on their downers. And, <laughs> and, and actually, even for Vincent Price, it's probably one of the last kind of horror movies he makes. Mm. And probably, I'd say, probably his best one. Mm. It's uh, it's sort of perfect for him. Mm. And it's and I feel like it's that a bit something films I think are a bit like it in a funny way. It something like um Hot Fuzz does a thing where it feels like it really celebrates a lot of these kind of essentially like old actors and actresses mm. from a different era and gives them a like a bit of a last hurrah. Mm. And mm. I think in a funny way, this sort of is a very similar thing. And I think if you're making a film in any era, you kind of really want to get all these guys before they die out. And mm. I think this film... I don't know if there is any living member of the cast in that film now. I think they've all gone. And I think even that film in 1973, they were all about to drop off one by one, much <laughs> like they do in the film. That is a really good point because 
when I was reading about the film, every single every single actor was so and so was a British actor who you know. So I think you might be right. I think I think that the last one to pass away might have been Dame Diana Rigg, who obviously was like two years ago, three years ago, whenever it was. And I completely know what you mean about the Hot Fuzz thing because in Hot Fuzz you've got all the villagers are like Paul Freeman from Raiders of the Lost Ark's in there. Stuart, is it Stuart Wilson from Lethal Weapon and Mask of Zorro? He's in there. There's loads of others in there as well. So I completely know know what you mean. So Alice, had you seen well, this one before? One moment. I, so I, sorry, I have a question. That just to bounce back to to what we were discussing. So did we come to a conclusion? If you think it's underrated oh, yeah. or underseen? <laughs> yeah, the whole point. Yeah, that. <laughs> I think I think the people the people that like this film love this film. Uh-huh. Mm. So in some ways, I'd say it's not underrated. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's underseen. Mm-hmm. Is it underseen? I mean, I kind of think in its in its. I mean, the thing is, it's it's not really. It's almost a bit one of a kind. So it's hard to say within its very specific genre. <laughs> it's not underseen. Mm-hmm. It's the best one. But in in regards of it being like all films, it's probably underseen. Yeah. yeah. Compared to like Skyfall, yeah, or like I reckon like more that. people yeah. have seen Skyfall. <laughs> I reckon more people have probably seen Skyfall than this. So let's say it's underseen then, but we'll get stuck in and then we'll sort of look at it at the end and, and we'll try and conclude. So Alice, had you seen it before? Had you heard of it before? Hadn't seen it. Hadn't heard of it. Had no idea what I was getting into. Thought oh. there might be vampires just based on the title alone. Um, but just to touch on something that you both mentioned there so one of my notes this was for a little bit later on later on but I gotta tell you because um so one of my notes was that it feels like a cross between hot fuzz and final destination so yeah. I thought it was funny that you said that you it reminds you of hot fuzz but perhaps in a different way but I thought that was interesting um I have fucking loved it, to be honest. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was really funny. I thought that it uh, crossed genres really well, like between the horror and the comedy. I absolutely loved how much Shakespeare was in it. Mm. Like there was so much Shakespeare, like because obviously they're reenacting these uh, moments from Shakespeare plays as their, their means of death for the critics. Um, but in them, you've got this guy reading Shakespeare beautifully, uninterrupted. Like so many of the pieces that he read, I've only heard like the first sentence of or just a few words, like to be or not to be. And then he goes on and on and on. And I was like, this is really interesting just from that point of view. So I loved all that. And I love that it kind of felt like it was a little bit for fans of the theatre. Like Mm. I reckon they were using a lot of language and maybe certain characters from certain plays and certain lines of dialogue that I reckon people that are dead keen on a theatre would be like, oh yeah, good, I get that. Like a little in-joke for them sort of thing. (laughs) I thought that was cool because you don't see that too often. Um, What about you, Josh? What were your first impressions? Or had you already seen this one? No, so I hadn't seen it before, but I had heard of it before because I had a little while ago, and this is a, it could have been 20 odd years ago, Empire brought out, do you know in Back to the Future 2, you know the almanac? Mm-hmm. Empire, Empire, so in Back to the Future 2, if you've not seen it, he you, gets don't a, have to, you don't have to tell me everything uh, about Back to the Future 2. He, he, gets, he gets a sports <laughs> almanac and it's like all the results, but it's in the future, so he goes back in time. Anyway, we're not talking about Back to the Future 2, or well, we could, but it's fine. Not yet. Um, so in... So Empire brought out a movie almanac, so loads of random facts about movies, and one of them was a breakdown of all the deaths in Theatre of Blood. And when I'm saying it's a while ago, it's predating the internet, because I would have read it when I was like a kid on holiday. So that's the only thing I knew about this film, was Vincent Price and the rough idea of what he did. 
so then I realised that I'd never seen... I'd seen two Vincent Price films before going into this. One, Edward Scissorhands, obviously. The other, Basil the Great Mouse Detective. So it was nice to see him Aww. in his element and not, you know... Obviously, he's, he's in both those films, but the kind of family films, kid films, and he's not mm-hmm. he's not actually in them that much. Whereas this, he is the star. And, and same as you, I loved it. I thought mm. it was so it's much good, fun. It's good. I thought it was so much fun, honestly. I'm glad. I'm glad I've I've given you. I've gifted you. Yeah, yeah exactly. And this yeah. is this is the joy of what we do, isn't it? Films that I never would have come across otherwise. I get to enjoy, and I yeah. did. I just had such a good time watching it. Like it's it was great such fun, good isn't fun. It? it is great. Um, fun. So, Nat, what are some of your favourite things about this film? What What is it that made you pick it for this podcast? Out of all the films you could have picked, I think as well. I what, again, a lot of you touched on it. Is it's that. I think it's about it's about this kind of changing world, and I think that's always interesting in film. I saw Nope the other day, which has got, I mean, you can compare it to lots of other much grander films, I mm. think. So this is about, like, the way that acting changes. So it's not yeah. like, the idea is a lot of people talk about it and they go, he's a bad actor. And the thing is, he's not. He's kind of a brilliant actor. He's just old-fashioned. He's Shakespearean. Yeah, and yeah, everyone now is like, in this era, are all trying to be Marlon Brando and they're all trying to be real and he's theatrical. So everyone's saying, no, he's no good. He's he's sort of, he's of the past, mm. as are all the cast of it. So mm. it's almost like there's this, they're also of the past. All these guys were big stars and they've sort of had their time. And it's funny you mentioned Edward Scissorhands as well because that's, that's Vincent Price's kind of last hurrah. Yes. He gets yeah. to do this big. So in this film, it's all these old British actors that you've seen in other things all having one last kind of go round. I really like how funny it is. Yes. Yeah. But it's grisly. It doesn't mm-hmm. play the horror for laughs. The horror is grisly, even for like a modern audience. Some of it's quite horrible. Mm. Like the first kind of, the first killing when Michael Horden goes and he visits the, um, all the kind of meth drinkers in the, mm. um, the in the abandoned warehouse, kind of warehouse. Yeah. That bit is kind of, it's horrible. And mm. when he's getting attacked, there is this thing where he's being cut and stabbed and it's not played like, the deaths aren't really played for laughs. Even the ones that are really feel like they're being played for laughs, Meredith Meridue being fed his dogs, is also horrible. When, he, when it gets mm. that bit, it's funny. It's a really funny idea. But when the deaths are happening, there's like a switch where suddenly what you're getting is a real horrible murder. <laughs> yeah. I and think it's that's really unpleasant. Point. It's unpleasant. When yeah. he's Butch or when he's disguised himself as Butch, the hairdresser, he's like, <laughs> he comes on. But when she's in under the um, the kind of heater, she's burning. Mm. And it's either they're making jokes about it and Diana Rigg is kind of casually reading a magazine as she's being burnt. But when it's kind of cutting to her, she's being burnt alive and they play it as if she's being burnt alive. And when, when the... Um, when that kind of hairdryer comes off, she's just completely, you know, practically skull and skin burnt to bits. It's just, it's, it's this sort of real, and again, it feels like it's a real transition of like acting. It's a year before The Exorcist. It's kind of still in that kind of hammer horror world, but it's sort of anticipating a much kind of nastier future. So it all feels like, and it feels like it's very much done on purpose. It might have been done on accident. It might have been done subliminally, but it feels like it's a film that's really on the cusp of going, we can kind of have these things. And a lot of horror movies now are kind of played for laughs because 
the kids just aren't finding them scary anymore. And it does that while also doing something where when the horror bits kick in, they're nasty. They're not they're not fun anymore. They suddenly go, it switches on like it turns on a dime. As soon as like they're about to die, everything gets horrible. When when he's being served his dogs and they've got that weird oh. like tube <laughs> and they're like punching a tube and he's got sort of this sort of pie going down his throat and he's choking choking to death and it, it's it it's sort of shown as if he's choking he's not it's not sort of it just switches but like all the other stuff is really funny it's yeah. it's all just yeah. you know um arthur Lowe, you know um captain mannerin gets his head cut off and stuck on top of a milk bowl it's that kind of it's this sort of very weird very it's very British in its sort of very dark sense of humour, like bleak. And it has this, yeah, you know, when the um, when the body's being dragged across as well of, by the horse with all the funeral, oh, that's yeah. nasty. This just yeah. kind of, it's got these, when, it's, when, when it deals with death and violence, it does it in a genuinely kind of horrible, violent way. But everything else is like, it's a comedy. Yeah, and it's also got this sort of tragedy. You know, there is this thing, and it's the idea as well that it's it's a violent killer. But again, you're not necessarily not on his side because there's something always really fun about the idea of critics being murdered. (laughs) (laughs) And I love, I do like that concept as well. And I like, I do really love the story. But yeah, so I'm glad that you said a bit there about the meaning that you've inferred from it because there were moments where I was like, is this meant to be a commentary on the industry? Like some of the ways that the film critics interact with some of the other people in the film, for instance, it just feels like that gross Hollywood vibe, like, oh, do anything, honey, and I'll make you a star sort of thing. Mm. And there is a bit of that going, on there so I was like oh is this is this self-aware is this what it's talking about and then obviously you've inferred it as being about acting and and cinema but in a different way again interesting layers man there's layers <laughs> to this thing I don't I like I mean even there's a chance it's not even like on purpose but I don't yeah, believe yeah. it isn't in the subconscious of whoever's making mm-hmm. it that there is this thing about and actors like Vincent Price as well He's from a completely different era. This mm. is one of his kind of last horror movies, and he's about to be, you know, all those actors of that his generation, like Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, they're they're just on the cusp of being kind of irrelevant. Mm. They're just about to. Like The Exorcist is out within a year of this film, and it's chalk and cheese to The Exorcist, except for how kind of grisly and violent it is. And some of that stuff really anticipates a lot of stuff that came later. And I'd say in that era, this is kind of a particularly nasty, violent film for that time. Mm-hmm. You know, you probably don't get a lot of this stuff outside of, of Europe, really. This is kind of a British film that deals with death in quite a nasty way. But they're about to get much, much worse. And they're not going to kind of sugarcoat it with the kind of comedy. They're... Um, it feels like this is the last kind of hurrah for this kind of for these actors as well. They're all dying. They're all. I mean, at this film, even though the kind of caliber of these critics that are all being knocked off one by one, they're all big, brilliant kind of actors. But they've all had their day, and probably a lot of them. Even though I think, looking looking back at it from a twenty twenty two point of view, I think this film really sort of celebrates what all those actors were good at and what they're kind of, and they all kind of play these sort of versions of characters that played in lots of other films. Um, and it's 
does celebrate them, but I suspect at that time they were probably all gutted to be in this horror movie. They probably were yeah. thinking, oh, this is, this is like, oh, they'd much rather be doing like a proper job. And yet they're all playing second fiddle to Vincent Price in this horror movie. And yet I think it's actually, it's a really good showcase for all their talents. And it's really, it really does what they do well as a sort of, and has them all almost like, this is like um, the Expendables of, <laughs> of like the actors, British actors of the 50s. It's like they're all in it, and you go brilliant. This is like this is like Ealing and Gainsborough. All these guys are in all these all these films from like twenty years earlier, all coming back and having a big last hurrah. I like to think they all were having a laugh, and they all know each other though. Yeah, I hope it was a thing they all signed on for, and were like brilliant. I mean, a good a good example is um, uh, isn't it Dennis Price in it? Is the he's the first one who's killed. And Dennis mm. Price is the guy from Kind Hearts and Coronets, which is almost like this film. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You know, twenty years ago, it's another thing where he's killing off every member of a family. It's it's almost like the same plot or that same kind of genre of revenge movies or something. I mean, this is this is also before this. Vincent Price made two Doctor Fives movies where he's you know he's essentially this burnt guy who wears a Vincent Price mask and can't talk, so plays all his lines on a record player. Which, when you think about it, doesn't make sense. That is a really like kind of cool idea, <laughs> but it suggests that what he's done is before he got burnt, 
he recorded everything he was ever going to say. <laughs> every word. Every <laughs> word he was ever going to say. <laughs> and he's made different records of it. But if you don't think about that, it's a really sort of fun idea. And that was the same thing. That was this thing where it's him is like a revenge plot, killing people off one by one. And this, in some ways, is like just the third one of that. It's like a sort of variation on that film. But they've done it with a twist and they've done all the kind of using these old British actors and using the kind of acting and all the just Shakespeare plays as its kind of kickoff. And they've just made this this thing that's not really like any other film, I think. Mm. Mm. I think I think you're spot on there. I mean, back that I absolutely think this film knows what it's doing. I think it's constantly so self-referential. And the way it plays with genre, I've never known a film be able to move from horror to comedy like this. Mm-hmm. And you not be like, hang on, that jar that jarred. And it doesn't. Yeah. At, no, at no point does it jar in any way. Because on one hand, it is it's made on the tail end, as far as I know, the tail end of the popularity of Hammer Horror. And all of it is almost like a send-up of Hammer Hammer Horror. <laughs> but at the same time, they do the things that Hammer Horror did just as effectively. So in one sense, it's a love letter. In another sense, it's a piss take. But it's both. But neither are bad. And neither, you know what I mean? It's so it's so on the money in its use of that. And I, and I thought that was great. The melo, you know, the melodrama of it, the campiness of it. The, you know, I thought it was great. I mean, at one point, like you say, they literally cut Captain Mannerin's head off and and... It's like he doesn't know. Obviously, they drug him, but like, there's no way not know that was happening. But at no point you're going, hang on, this bit's stupid, isn't it? Like, like you're just enjoying it. Like, at no point you're going, is is this daft or whatever? It's almost like watching, almost like a mixture of like airplane and PG Woodhouse and a Hammer Horror and all these other different things. It's it's so tongue in cheek and it's such a great nod and a wink to the audience. So obviously, Alice, back to what you said there. You said you enjoyed it. What did you particularly like about it? Or have we covered everything? <laughs> Um, mostly just covered it really like when you know the the story and the concept and the way the story's told I thought was very good I thought the use of music was very interesting Mm. so um there's one moment and I think this sort of juxtaposition happens throughout but there's one moment where he's in someone's bedroom and he's about to kill them and he's got like He's almost dressed like a surgeon and he's got like a tray of tools and stuff and he's ready, I think, to cut him for... Is that when he saws his head off or yeah, something? That's that yeah, yeah, that's anyway, that bit, yeah, that's that Anyway, and while this is happening, the music that's playing could be from like a, 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 a romantic film from like the 30s or something. It's like this kind of really soft, gentle, romantic, but big kind of orchestral music. And I was like... That's interesting. That's interesting that they've gone with that while we're watching this. And I was just trying to, you know, trying to, trying to dig for the meaning in like that a one. Takeoff of like Doctor Kildare, like sort of very sort of fifties, like program about a surgeon. So I think the music is meant to kind of evoke that sort of Richard Chamberlain. Oh, but it's very kind of romanticized idea of this kind of very sort of handsome doctor. But it does, it does all that stuff. It, 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 it and like like you're saying, it feels like. It really walks a tightrope. It sh- it feels like you should be constantly saying, "Oh, hang on, it's it wasn't like that a minute ago." It's completely done a left turn, and yet you never feel like you're not in safe hands, or they yeah. never they always know exactly what they're doing. You never go, "Oh, it's silly now," and it is silly. <laughs> it is silly. Well, this has gone too far. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's got silly yeah, now. That was um, the line. You've lost me. Yeah. Um, so I've I've got a question for you both then because this was something that I was unclear on. So obviously, just after uh, Lionheart throws himself off a building, he sort of gets picked up and kind of dragged away by some 
people who are maybe unhoused or something, but they're sort of living in like this, like industrial pit sort of thing, you know, with fires and stuff. Anyway, they pull him out of the the water, the ravine, wherever he is. And then that's when he obviously has his coming back to life moment. But has he died and are they beings of the afterlife or did he never die at all and he just sort of got knocked unconscious? But if that's the case, does he still eat? Does he think he's dead? Answer me some questions, Nat. Go on. I think, I think he's definitely alive. I think for okay. a lot of the film, you can, you can kind of, you can go down that road and go, is he even alive? Mm-hmm. Is he a ghost? But I think, I think almost what they've, <laughs> I think in a kind of very old fashioned way, what they've done is when they start giving him the meths to drink, he essentially loses his mind, is what I think. But, oh, you know, when he jumps yeah. off from that building into the mm. Thames, you are dead. Mm. No one's mm-hmm. coming back from that. Except I just think it's that kind of license of it. You've just got to assume that he didn't die. He came back to life. But it's almost like drinking this this mess from these this what this homeless guy's giving him. It's almost like it's almost like it makes him somehow makes him alive again. It's that sort of like it's almost like a special magic potion or something. <laughs> and when he does it, he does that thing from uh the Tempest, and he starts going, oh, what brave new world. <laughs> and it is like he's just been reborn. And he's only kind of, he's reborn just as a kind of pure agent of revenge. <laughs> he's just going to, but I think, I've thought that. Like I, I sometimes watch it and go, can it play like he's just dead and he's a ghost? He's a but ghost, I think the idea right? that he can kind of ghost. orchestrate this kind of thing with his with his daughter and things just feels like, Surely he's alive. But I suppose <laughs> it's also fun to think of it like maybe he's a ghost. Maybe he's not mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. back. He's just this kind of... And and I really like that he then... It's almost like he becomes two-dimensional when he comes back. So he only really exists to kill people in amusing ways whilst quoting mm-hmm. Shakespeare. <laughs> he's not even really like a real person anymore. But he is before. Before that happens where he is. And that it's, it does. There is a bit you do have this sort of sympathy for him. And there is that bit where he just believes it so much that he's owed this prize that they've denied him that you don't, you kind of, you do want to see him kill all the guys he did. (laughs) (laughs) You do, there's a bit of you is kind of, even though he's deranged maniac, you do kind of, he's charming and he's Vincent Price. So you kind of go, I do like this. I do like this. And I think that's it. I think it's fun. I think the way it plays it, it kind of pulls the rug out. I think that's the bit where where he's where he actually kills people. You like the idea of him going after these critics and killing them one by one. But I think what it does, it's, it is that bit. It's that right at the last minute, you do get the idea that he's actually killing these people in really horrible, violent way. And then you go, oh, actually, maybe I don't <laughs> want to see someone being burnt to death or having, you know, their heart cut out or whatever. It's that kind of, when these things, it's almost like it's a cartoon and then it just goes real. There's a sort of goes, no, that's what's happening. And it's usually that thing where you start seeing, it's it's that first kind of drawing of blood where you suddenly get that idea. It's when they realise as well that this is something, something serious is going on. And it sort of switches into this, like suddenly they've got this thing where they, they're desperate not to die. And they're going to die. And I think that's the bit where you go, oh, it's actually quite nasty and <laughs> horrible. And it just switches this kind of, I, I do. I, I think it, yeah, I think few films do it. And I, it's really cleverly done, that, I think. 
that why you're not constantly going. Oh, it's daft. It's just daft. <laughs> it's other otherworldly comes to mind for me. It's like, it's like the people who help him. So they're all credited as meth drinker. So they're not credited as anything else. Mm. And none of them seem to speak. Mm-hmm. They have no motivation to help him. They're just kind and help him. But at the same time, completely believe in his message. Obviously, they just turn on and go, yeah, we'll, we'll help you kill all these people. Why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like there is an ethereal presence to them and to him to the to the point where, you know, you never even question it. I'm only thinking about it now. He's in hiding in an old dilapidated theatre, and yet he has access to all the props, all the costumes, infinite amounts of money. It's like, mm. it's it's crazy. So there is a, a sense there, like you said, Alison, like you then said as well, Nat, of an otherworldly, almost like monster-like presence to them. Like a hive mind. It's really strange. Mm. But they're all played by like dancers as well. They're mm. like, um, they're almost like a dance troupe. So they are like, you know, they're playing these kind of shambling, like meth drinkers who are all kind of, they've all gone a bit mad. And yet they kind of, I think they've, I guess, deliberately just got these guys who are like real sort of movement experts. Mm. So they mm. are really odd and they do move in an odd way, except they look like visually, they go, Oh, they're just these guys. They're just these sort of weird, mad, homeless people. But they've they even on screen they've got this kind of they seem quite otherworldly. And it is like they're he almost just becomes like this sort of leader, like a sort of cult leader or something. Mm. And they just seem to obey him. Or they do up until the end where they're just slightly it's just this sort of I think in that world, and probably just a very old fashioned way, it's that idea I think that when you would have these guys drinking mess, it's just this idea that they've sort of lost any sense of mm. reality or something. There's no, and that all seems very like, you know, now it's very, uh, a sort of very uh, sort of narrow-minded idea, except I guess at that time you kind of accept it. And even the mess that they drink are in that kind of, it's that sort of purple colored mess. Yeah. So it doesn't look like it's even any kind of real drink. And it does seem to be in the film. It does seem to have, not yeah, sort of almost like magical properties for him. It sort of revives him by drinking this mess, and even saying it, I think, seems quite funny. But I'm saying <laughs> it out loud. Go, yeah. it's about a guy who drinks mess, goes yeah. mad, and so starts basically <laughs> is sort of somehow reborn from the dead. As uh, yeah, but you, I think you might. Yeah, I think it's sort of the more we're talking about it, I like the idea in some ways as well that he's this sort of angel of death, that he's become this sort of embodiment of the theatre or something. He's just become this <laughs> this kind of real villain. And, and I, I like, I, I don't know, I think, I think it's really funny the way they talk about him and you sometimes, they sometimes reference him and there's a bit where Milo O'Shea's the police detective and he goes, oh, he's a, he goes, oh, I saw him once. He's a very spirited actor and they use all these sort of adjectives to describe what he's like and you just get the idea that he's really incredibly over the top and the bit where he does... Um, cut Harry Andrews's heart out, mm. uh, and they go. But that doesn't happen in. They don't do that in Merchant of Venice. And they've got that thing like, oh man, only Edward Leinhart could rewrite Shakespeare. <laughs> it's that kind of this idea of him as just being so confident, it's so pompous, and yeah, yeah. Okay, so then we'll move on to talking about things that we perhaps didn't like about the film, or that perhaps we would change. I don't get the impression there's going to be absolutely loads in this bit but we'll we'll try anyway because we always try and give a balanced argument so to speak Alice 
Is there anything for you? Is there anything you particularly changed or didn't like? So there are two things that I've picked up on that may not suit everybody and I can understand maybe wouldn't work with all audiences. These aren't things that particularly bothered me, but I was just playing devil's advocate and I could see, right? So I think at the beginning a little bit, I it did take me a little bit to catch on to what exactly was happening, who was who, who like who had relationships with who, who were the critics, who were the actors, who were the dead people. Like it it just took me a little longer, I guess, than I thought it would to to figure out what the heck was going on. But I did figure it out and it it does paint enough of a picture for you to figure it out. So I, I wouldn't even want them to do it differently because the way in which they did it was fine. And I suppose if I knew anything about the film before going in, it would have been a bit easier to follow. Um, so get, yeah, something I noticed, would I want them to change it? No, because I got there in the end. So it's a non-issue. Um, the other thing as well is just that it looks and feels really old. Like it looks like it could be from the 40s. Like it's almost surprising that it's from the 70s. If you think about other films that were sort of coming out in Hollywood at that time. Um, so I wonder if that could potentially be isolating for modern audiences who just don't like films that look and sound that way. Uh, but yeah, non-issue for me. I liked it the way it was, just as it was. I wouldn't change anything. Um, what about you, Josh? Anything on your list? Not, not really, no. I mean, I had a similar point to you, which is... I suppose the way I thought of it is, I wonder why they made the decision to put his motivations halfway through. Like, I wonder why they sat and looked at that script and went, instead of showing it at the beginning, halfway through we'll go, here's a scene of him throwing himself out of a window into the river. I wonder why they decided to do that, because the by mystery. then... But by then you know who he is, and you sort of know why he's doing it, because they've cottoned... The critics themselves have cottoned onto it by that point. So I just... I wonder if they remade it today, they would definitely put that at the beginning. Maybe because we're all a bit thick mm. now. Um, <laughs> and mm. We need to be spoon fed with a with a, a post credit scene and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, um, I I if it was me, I, I found it a little slow to start because I was a bit like, so I knew a little bit more than you, I think, because of what we touched on at the beginning. So I was expecting it to open with, you've jittled me, you fools, and now I'm going to do this. And when it started, I was like, this wasn't what I was expecting. Um, to the point where when the first death happens, I was like, have I, because I was just watching it on on Prime. And I was like, is, is like, are they cut stuff out of this because of like what of like whatever they cut stuff out of for? But no, it just wasn't what I was expecting in terms of a, a more conventional order. But like you said, Alice, I still enjoyed it. I cottoned on in the mm. end, but I can definitely see how if someone watched it now, going into it, not knowing anything about it, they might go. What's this all about? So that was me. Yeah, was that person yeah, doing that? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that now? Or do you think no, just keep it exactly how it is? It's perfect. Is there anything you change about it? I like the way it happens. Yeah. I can see that it's not going to be for everyone. I and I also quite like that by the time it gets to the flashback, most of that cast are dead, and it's nice <laughs> to see them back again. Oh, I think by then yes, there's a weird yeah. bit that it's really like, oh, they were hardly in it. Mm-hmm. And then you get to see him again, have some more scenes later on by just having the kind of flashback. I think some of that stuff as a mystery is odd. Like I think there's odd bits of it that are confusing. I think it's confusing that surely everyone goes, well, that's Diana Rick. <laughs> the guy with the tash is yeah. Diana Rick. 
That was, that was pretty funny. She yeah. is she is in the film all the way through. <laughs> you get to see her lots. And at the end, it is played like a reveal that I always think is odd. And it is for, um, what's he called, um, Ian Hendry's character. Yeah. It is De- a reveal Devlin, to him. Dev- but Devlin, it almost yeah. plays like we're meant to go, oh, is that her? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's odd. But I don't mind it at all. I, I'm just like, the film's so wild in its kind of tone anyway, that that's like, sure, why not? <laughs> why not? Why not just have a sort of weird... Um, there are things like that I'd sort of worry. I'd worry that, you know, I think there's things about, I mean, it's definitely dated. That's yeah, what it does. Yeah. It feels like it's in its time. You've got, um, even when he's butch, I could see that being something where people would go, oh, it feels like a, a real kind of dated kind of gay stereotype. Yeah. Even yeah. though I think it's almost, especially for that time, I think it's almost quite coded as well to be almost a bit of a nod and a wink for like a kind of queer audience who were watching it at the time. I think, and I suspect a lot of that audience that love it now probably would, I don't think that's ever gone away. I think it's very knowing, even that stuff. But I think today to a modern audience, I think it would play as as something yeah. that feels very old fashioned. I know what you mean there. Yeah, yeah. Like it, like it's it's just on the cusp, isn't it? It's not massively offensive. It's It's not like, oh God, that didn't hit right. But you can see how it, it might depend yeah, on, on the see, sensibility. I, I think it's the way yeah. it's interpreted, and yeah. I think it could play that way. I suspect, I don't think it, I don't think it's intended as no. anything remotely. And I think if anything, it's almost tried to play in a way that's a bit of a nod and a wink to an audience that might be a bit like, you know, this is this yeah. is almost for you. This is a this is the kind of um, so. Um, but I guess that I mean. I don't know. I love it. It's very difficult to kind of pull holes in it. I mean, yeah. even the stuff that I think is sort of doesn't quite work or is odd almost still plays into it as a of, of why I like it. Okay, then. So we'll move on to talking about the critical reception and box office then, and we'll try and conclude if we think it's underrated, underseen, or all that jazz. So, Alice... Do you do you ever look at the scores? You know how it did, or are you going to so give it a think, guess? Well, I think I accidentally saw the IMDb score when I was so looking cheated, when I was fine. looking for where to watch it. I was trying not to, cheated so I, I kind of know what the IMDb one. So I won't go anywhere near that. But using that as a as a you know a, a gauge, feels like people who did see it liked it. Might just be that not many people saw it. So I reckon it's going to sort of average out. I reckon at a high seven. I reckon I'll go 7.8, all like considering Rotten Tomatoes as well. Mm, mm. Mm. And how how do you think it did sort of like box office wise? Obviously not a specific number, but did it do well? I guess guess bad. Like it doesn't even look like it was made for the cinema. Like it it almost looks like a straight to TV sort of affair. So it is hard to tell. It's it's like, how, how do you tell how a film did financially without no? It's like, You'd look back on, I'd look back on Avatar and go, that's the highest grossing film. How is that the highest, highest grossing film of all time? But mm. you never know. Anyway, Nat, do you know? Do you know how it did on both fronts or are you not sure? It would have been made even at the time for, this was, I think it was made by an American company in the UK. So it would have been, they would have been taking advantage of all the kind of tax breaks. So <laughs> none of these films would have had massive budgets. This would not have been a big budget movie at any time. And, they they usually make them at a budget that they'll almost certainly make their money back. And they'll almost certainly do well. Um, but given that it is coming 
at the time when all these films are stopping makes me think it probably isn't going to do well because mm. these films are kind of at the end of their life. So I suspect it probably didn't do terribly well. But mm. I don't know. I don't know. No. Mm. And how do you think it... Do you, do you know how it did critically? Is it well... Was no, it well? Was not it really. Not or sure. I don't know how it's perceived now. I don't yeah. know. Like when you talk about IMDb ratings, they're not things I tend to take much notice of, but I don't know now how it's perceived in those kind of uh it's, it's, yeah things. It, it's difficult isn't it we use it we use it as a measuring stick to try and figure out as a broad sense is it or isn't it but our thing is very much make up your own mind isn't it alice it's very it, yeah. like that's that's what the whole thing is like we, it's a like, pretty loose premise you, you know, know we're pretty we, chilled out guys we, we, <laughs> alice has sat there and talked for like half an hour about how much she loves greece too i've yeah. i've 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 defended Green Lantern and said it's not that shit. It's just not that good or whatever. But anyway, so let's have a look. So at the time of recording on IMDb, Mm. it gets 7.1. So 71. I think I knew that. The audience on Rotten Tomatoes give it 81%. And the critics, either ironically or because they're terrified of the events of the film, give it 94%. Wow. So I, I like the idea of viewing it going, it's perfect. Absolutely nothing wrong with this. Couldn't wow, say like that's like, funny. I bet <laughs> film critics love a film about film critics. About right? critics, I bet yeah. They fucking love it. <laughs> Do you think it's also a difficult film for a critic to be mean about? I know what you mean. Yeah, because it's it is like, like it's like it feels like I don't know, like sort of sour grapes. If they yeah. were like, oh come on, what's all this about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like proving a point, like proving a point, isn't it? Almost. So, mm. so that averages out then at eighty-two. Wow, out of hundred, whatever you call it. So, I mean, what do we think? What do you reckon, Alice? Is that is that underrated, appropriately rated, overrated? What what, I, is, what is it? I would, I, I would be teetering sort of in between the appropriately rated and the overrated oh. sort of scale. Not quite that far, but you know, maybe just having a little look over the edge. I think it's like it's good and it's funny and it's and it's mm. a, a great a great sort of lesson in how to blend genres successfully. Uh, it didn't blow me away. I wouldn't say it's kind of like 80 sort of percent there. <laughs> um, so maybe just a tiny bit overrated for okay. me. Okay. What are your thoughts, Josh? So I think it is slightly underrated. Maybe wow. not by, maybe not by the critics. I think 94% it's very, very high, isn't yeah. it? But if you look That's at those audience if you're looking at those audience scores. I think it's. I would. I would go the other way to you. So I'd say it's between appropriately to underrated because okay. I. So I really we're straddling. Lo- I, yeah, we're I, straddling. I, I really love this, and I and I I I must say as well, I was pleasantly surprised. It was. I was looking forward to watching it from knowing a little bit about the concept, but it was so much better, so much more better executed than I thought it was gonna be. Um, what about what about you, Nat? Is it? What do we think about eighty two? Is that fair? I think it's probably... I think one of the things is I I like this kind of film Mm. and I've seen this film a lot. And I'd say it wasn't until I'd seen it loads of times that I kind of came back to it, probably having not seen it for a few years, maybe like a decade ago. Mm. And I really had a moment when, God, it's brilliant. I just (laughs) kept going, it's brilliant. And when, when, when I, you know, this is my, as I say, this is... This is a bit of me, but, <laughs> but it's so much better than I always think it is. It's yeah. like almost like it's it's probably like the best example of the kind of film it is. I don't think they yeah. get any better than that. Um, so I would say that, but I would, I mean, I'm really pleased that it's getting 94 and 84 or something. And so I'm a bit mm. like, good, 
Yeah, good. <laughs> so it should. I should so think it should. So <laughs> <laughs> um, And then it. Well, in terms of the box office, it was quite difficult. So it's quite difficult to work out this because I couldn't really find how much it was made for. Um, so looking at the box office, uh, uh, yeah, according to the box uh, box office mojo, it 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 grossed internationally and there wasn't loads of information about it but roughly a million dollars right which i then because i was like i wonder how good that actually is so i put it into an inflation calculator Mm -hmm. which was scary enough considering what's going on in the country at the moment but we won't get into that um and it was about three and a half million dollars worldwide so i know you'd have to probably think about what you what it was made for which we don't know but even so if a film like this was released today with the cast and the plot and if you put the right money behind it, I think you're talking about a big hit. And I don't know how mm-hmm. good is how good is that. I mean, for me, I think it's underseen purely because I think that's probably quite a small amount, although that I don't know what release. That feels like a, not much money. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what sort of a release it got. But at the same time, I think it's underseen because I think, frankly, I think more people should see it. Um, in terms of like, it, it, I've never heard it mentioned in like your classic horrors if you're talking about The Omen or The Exorcist or the one, you know, the more recent ones from the 80s or even more recent ones like The Ring or whatever you want to call it. So what, what, what do you think, Atlas? Is it underseen? Yeah, I reckon so. I hadn't even yeah. heard of it. So there's that. <laughs> Alice hadn't heard it. <laughs> that is usually one of the things that goes, well, I haven't seen it, so it's underseen. I have seen it. It's got if, I, if I hadn't seen it, it was not worth watching. So. <laughs> no, but like, I think that must be the case then, right? Or yeah. it's just that it's not... Like, I saw it because it used to be on telly all the time when I was yeah. a kid. And the fact it's probably not on telly anymore makes me think it's probably underseen by yeah. that. And, and the fact you've kind of come to it and... I mean, I think if you were both like, it's fine or it's mm. a bit... It's silly or it's not for me. You, I'd probably have to go, oh, yeah, maybe it's just not for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> just shatter the glass. Destroy the world. <laughs> you've kind of, uh, you've both liked it. That makes yeah. Me think, I think this film probably does have quite broad appeal, even though you think it might not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it would appeal to lots of people that, that think they wouldn't like it. Yeah. I think I think so. And I think there's definitely a legacy of the film in that, like we've mentioned Hot Fuzz. I don't think that's a mistake. Edgar Wright definitely loves this sort of thing. He references mm-hmm. it all the time. You know, you've only got to look at the way Shaun of the Dead is shot or the things that happen in Hot Fuzz or whatever to know that it, it it's definitely it's definitely bled through um, into 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 more recent films. I mean, I, first thing I I thought I was watching, it, I was like, I wonder if they took this idea and just ripped it off into seven and went and just went Shakespeare plays, Deadly Sins, whatever. People will watch it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think for me, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and I'm going to say it's appropriately rated because that's the general gist I'm getting and underseen. Uh, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a film that's, I think it's smart. If mm. people who like quite smart arch movies, I think would like it. I think if they like horror, they would like it. I think if they like a funny film, they would like it. I think it's all those things done really well. And none of those bits feel like it takes away from any of the other bits. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a really smart film. I think, like, I think even saying it, I think if people were being a bit um, arch or assuming they wouldn't like it, I just think you'd probably like it. I think, mm. it, I think it's hard to come away from and go, it's bad or it's rubbish. Mm-hmm. I just, just don't think it, it's anywhere near that. I'm, I'm always like, it's great. I didn't, I didn't use, I always, I always felt like I really liked this film. And it's only really in the last decade that I've, I've really gone, I mean, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> it's a masterpiece, guys. It's a masterpiece. 100%. 
Get, to, get those critics in here. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. It's a masterpiece according to Matt. It's appropriately rated. It's underseen. Go and check it out. I know for certain it's on Prime Video. It's probably on other streaming platforms as well. You won't regret it. It's, de- it's definitely worth. It's definitely worth a watch. If you like your horrors, you like your comedies, get it. Get get it watched. I think I think you'd like it. So Matt, thank you very much for coming on. I mean, what what. Uh, I mean, it's been a it's been a pleasure, honestly, genuinely. The passion you've had for the film is just brilliant. So, like, <laughs> oh yeah, always good to see. Always good to see. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, what what can people look out for? What what have you got going on? Where can people find your stuff? Well, it's probably best at this time to follow me on Twitter if you'd like to. No, you don't have to. Do it like, if you like. Not, it's not mandatory. If you want to, <laughs> I'm um, at Nat Metcalf on Twitter. I'm at Nat Metcalf Comedy on Instagram. I've got some things in the pipeline. Oh, uh, I won't say what they are. We're doing Ooh, if, mysterious. Like I, the film. I don't know. I don't know how much I'm <laughs> supposed to say. I think people know. <laughs> Nick Helm and I used to do a a radio show podcast, and we're doing another one. Oh, doing another one. Excellent. But I, don't know, I won't say what it's called or anything or the premise. Because it's, not, it's all it's not still about, being it's not about underrated films. Just in case. Is it? <laughs> it is, no, no, yeah. That's why I won't say because it's uh, <laughs> it's brilliant. awkward. It'd be awkward if I said <laughs> what it was. Um, <laughs> oh, brilliant! We'll, we'll definitely keep an eye out for that, and obviously, when it does come out, we'll uh, we'll retweet it, we'll share it, and all, and all that sort of stuff. So that's great, um, exciting stuff in the pipeline. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for coming on. And as I say, we'll put links out to all the socials and stuff. And uh, yeah, check out Nat's stuff because uh, it's brilliant and he's been very kind and he's come on and he's talked to us about Theatre of Blood. So, uh, Nat, Nat Mekoff, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So there we go, another guest episode of The Bag. What a great film, what a great guest as well. He's very generous with his time and um, he's great. clearly... It's so good when people love a film as much as that and they just they just go. It's just so, this job is so easy when they can just talk like that. It was brilliant. So thanks very much for Nat for coming on. And of course, we'll put links out to all this stuff and check out the film as well because it's it's well worth your time, I think. It's pretty it's, um, good, you know. If you is, if you want yeah. something a bit different, if you want to see something that maybe you haven't seen loads of, yeah. I would like if you're a film person, go and watch this film. Absolutely. Definitely recommend it. And if you're listening to this, you probably are. So probably are a film person. Let's <laughs> or if you were looking for something else, I'm sorry about that. We were we're, we're not that. <laughs> um, so yes, we will be back next week with another uh, another episode talking about an underseen, underseen even or underrated film. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, it's films that part at gmail.com or you can check us out on social medias. Just search for just films and that on Facebook, t- uh, Twitter, Twitter. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of the ones were there. And we are also on the television, aren't we, Alice? We are indeed. We are on the local TV network every Friday from 6pm. So if you live in Birmingham, Bristol, Liverpool, Leeds or the northeast of England, you can find us on Channel 7 on Freeview. Or if you live in North Wales or South Wales, you can find us on Channel 8 on Freeview. Or if you've got Sky and you live just about anywhere in the UK, you can find us on Channel 188. So that's every Friday from 6pm on the local TV network. There you go. Lots of places to see us, hear us, get in touch. And thank you, as ever, for you for listening. Thanks again to Nat for coming on. It was a brilliant episode. Really enjoyed Mm -hmm. that. And uh, we'll be back next week. All that remains for me to say is thanks, Alice Oliver, to you, as ever. And it's goodbye from me. Cheerio. Bye.
the biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 